When I was a student in Bible college, it was a a time when many Christians were obsessed with discovering their spiritual gift. There was this huge emphasis back then in Christian circles on finding out which spiritual gift you had, to the point where some churches actually developed these aptitude tests to help members determine which gift God had given them. Now, nothing like this is taught in Scripture. You'll not read a word about taking any kind of an aptitude test in the New Testament. There's no test that the Bible says you need to take in order to discover what your spiritual gift is. In fact, the Bible says nothing about discovering your spiritual gift. It assumes that as you grow in the Lord, having a heart to serve Him, that you will naturally gravitate based on desire to some ministry where your spiritual gifts will become obvious and evident. However, what the Bible does emphasize about spiritual gifts are truths that are designed to correct us from misusing our spiritual gifts for for really selfish purposes, glorifying ourselves so that we appear more spiritual than others. And that's precisely why the Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthians about spiritual gifts, starting with chapter 12 and going all the way to the end of chapter 14, a rather large section, Paul teaches the Corinthians about spiritual gifts. And he does this not only because they apparently had written to him asking him questions about this subject, but also because the Corinthians had made an absolute mess of things when it came to spiritual gifts and they needed the apostles' help. So based on what Paul tells them in these three chapters, 12, 13, and 14, about spiritual gifts, we can see exactly what their problems were. They didn't understand the true source of these gifts. They didn't understand the purpose for which these gifts were given. They didn't understand how these gifts contributed to the unity and the the growth of the church. They didn't understand that these gifts were to be used in love rather than to enhance their egos. And they didn't understand how significant the spiritual gift of prophecy or preaching was in comparison to the gift of tongues. And the reason the Corinthians folks had made such a a mess of spiritual gifts was because they were basically an unspiritual, carnal church, consumed and preoccupied with themselves. And in the opening three verses of chapter 12, so you can turn there, In introducing the subject of spiritual gifts, we get a little taste of what was wrong with the Corinthians when it came to understanding even the the very basics about spiritual gifts. So here's what Paul wrote to them in chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, which we covered last week, but I want to just quickly review. Paul said, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to the mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, as I said, we looked at these verses several weeks ago, and what we discovered from them was that with many of the Corinthians coming out of pagan religious backgrounds known as the mystery religions, they failed to distinguish the work of the Holy Spirit from the work of demons who they had followed in their former religion. I know it sounds bizarre, but shocking, and shocking though it may be, that was the case. They actually thought that now that they were Christians, that the Holy Spirit was 
somehow leading them into the same kind of frenzies, ecstasies, and uncontrolled outbursts which they had when they were involved in their pagan mystery religions. In other words, they thought that their experience when using their spiritual gifts was similar to what they experienced in the past when they weren't even Christians but were pagans. Amazing, but that's what this is about. So in helping the Corinthians to understand about spiritual gifts, Paul first wants them to know that spiritual gifts and the ministry of the Holy Spirit bear absolutely no resemblance at all to their past experiences in their mystery religions when they were pagans. And so in verse 3, Paul tells the Corinthians how they can know if in their church service, during a church service, how they can know they were being led by the Holy Spirit in the use of his gifts, or if they were being led by Satan, demons, in a form of idolatrous paganism. And essentially, we don't need to go into all the details again, but essentially what the apostle tells them is that the Holy Spirit never leads anyone to speak negatively of Jesus Christ. And that Satan, using false religion, always leads people to speak error about Jesus Christ. So, having opened this section about spiritual gifts by telling the Corinthians that spiritual gifts And the ministry of the Holy Spirit bear no resemblance to what they used to experience in their mystery religions before they were Christians. Paul moves on now to verses 4 through 7, our study tonight, to tell the Corinthians that though there are a variety of spiritual gifts, they all have one source, they all have one purpose, and here's what the apostle writes. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit, and there are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things and all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Now notice, notice that there are two words that keep coming up, that stand out in these verses, because they're repeated a number of times. First is the word varieties, which Paul repeats three times. He speaks in verse 4 of the varieties of gifts, in verse 5 of the varieties of ministries, and in verse 6 of the varieties of effects. Now this word varieties means apportions or allotments or distributions. And the basic thought that Paul is teaching is that God distributes a diversity of spiritual gifts to his people so that they come in a variety of forms. That's in essence, what Paul is saying. Now, the second word that the apostle repeats in these verses is the word same. And he uses this word in connection with the Trinity, the triune Godhead, meaning the three persons of the Godhead. In verse 4, notice he writes the same Spirit, referring to the Holy Spirit. In verse 5, he writes the same Lord, referring to the Lord Jesus Christ. And in verse 6, he writes the same God, referring to God the Father. And what Paul is teaching by mentioning the three persons of the Godhead in relation to spiritual gifts is that there is unity in these gifts because the whole Godhead is involved in these gifts. In other words, there is not any division when it comes to the Godhead, the three persons in one Godhead and spiritual gifts. Therefore, There should never be disunity or division amongst Christians when it comes to spiritual 
gifts. There's none, no division when it comes to the three persons of the Trinity. There should not be division when it comes to Christians and spiritual gifts. But the problem was that there was division. There was jealousy in the Corinthian church over these gifts. And that's exactly why Paul is stressing the unity of the Godhead in relation to these gifts. And so having seen the big picture, and that's what I've just given you, the big picture in these verses in which Paul is teaching the Corinthians that spiritual gifts come in a variety of forms and all come from the same God, We're now ready to explore the details, the specifics of what Paul taught in these verses. And the way the apostle communicates these truths is that he makes three basic statements about spiritual gifts, with the first one being this, that spiritual gifts come in a variety of forms with each member of the Godhead actively involved in all of them. Verse 4. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. So, Paul begins by telling the Corinthians, as we just saw, but we're going to go deeper in our understanding of this, that there are a variety of spiritual gifts, which means that there are lots of different spiritual gifts. There's not just one gift. There's a lot of them, and they have great diversity and variety. Now, there are three specific places in the New Testament where spiritual gifts are listed. Number one here in 1 Corinthians 12, but also in Romans chapter 12, as well as 1 Peter chapter 4. And interestingly, in these chapters where these spiritual gifts are listed, the various ones are listed by name, the lists are not identical, not identical at all, which leads us then to assume that God hasn't given us an exhaustive list of these gifts, but rather a general classification of them. And probably the reason for this is because since there is such a variety of spiritual gifts given, it is impossible to always categorize them since each Christian has been given a unique combination of gifts. Concerning this unique combination of spiritual gifts that each believer has, not just one, but a combination of a variety of gifts. John MacArthur wrote this. He said, one should be careful not to overdefine the gifts because they may resist overclassification. There is not much value in taking tests, formal or informal, to determine what spiritual gifts we have. A believer's gifts can be an overlapping combination taken in different proportions from the categories of gifts. One person may be obviously strong in a single gift, such as teaching. Another may not be strong in any one gift, but have some measure of three or four categories. It's best to see each person's gift as a unique blend of the categories of giftedness granted to that individual in connection with his or her traits and experiences and the needs of the church. Each believer becomes as unique spiritually as his fingerprints are physically. Well put. So Paul says that spiritual gifts come in a variety of forms. Therefore, no individual has the exact same spiritual gift or gifts, but rather a unique combination of a diversity of these spiritual gifts. Now, One thing that is very important to understand, and I think a lot of Christians misunderstand this, is that when it comes to spiritual gifts, they are different from natural talents. You see, while both spiritual gifts and natural talents, they both come from God in the sense that he grants them freely to us, 
they are different and we do need to distinguish them and I'll show you why it's important in a moment. They are different in that while talents, natural abilities, skills are given to both believers and unbelievers, spiritual gifts are only given to believers, not unbelievers. So let me explain. Every person born into this world has been given certain abilities, certain talents by God, even if they don't believe in God. It doesn't matter. They have been given, they have been endowed with certain skills. Every person. Some people have been given by God athletic skills, while others have been granted skills in music or the arts or building things or mechanics or a specific field of study. This is true of all people on this planet. Regardless of whether or not they're Christians, everyone has certain skills given to them by their creator. However, spiritual gifts are supernatural. They're supernatural endowments from God that are only given to a person once they become a believer in Christ. And the reason for this is because this is how God ministers through believers to his church. This is how he builds them up. This is how he serves them. He gives his people these spiritual gifts so they can minister effectively to others in the body of Christ. Now let me explain to you why this is important to know. The reason it's important to make this distinction between natural talents and spiritual gifts is because sometimes Christians mistakenly think that because they have been given a certain natural ability in one field that this qualifies them to minister in a certain way spiritually. So for example, years ago I knew a man who was a high school math teacher. And because he was skilled in teaching math, he thought that he was also skilled, gifted in teaching the Bible in his local church. But God hadn't given him the spiritual gift of teaching the Bible. And this became rather obvious to those who who had to sit under him and listen to him. He may have thought that he had the spiritual gift of teaching the word, but I say a bit sarcastically, nobody had the gift of listening to him teach. Nobody enjoyed listening to Tim T. He just was not a good Bible teacher. He's probably a very good math teacher, but was not a good Bible teacher. Because having a skill as a math teacher is different than being supernaturally gifted with the spiritual gift of teaching. So just because you have a talent, let's say, for teaching a secular subject doesn't mean that you have been given by God the spiritual gift of teaching the Bible. Now, Having said that, on the other hand, someone who has been naturally gifted in, let's say, music may also have the spiritual gift of encouragement. That is one of the gifts, encouragement, so that they may use their musical talent to encourage others. But we have to distinguish between natural talents and spiritual gifts. And the way you can make this distinction is that a talent is something everyone, unbeliever as well as as believer, they might have, but only believers have spiritual gifts. So, going back to verse 4, Paul has just told us that there are a variety of these spiritual gifts. And where do these gifts come from? Well, he completes this verse, verse 4, by stating, but the same Spirit, meaning that it is the same Holy Spirit, the third person of the triune Godhead, who gives each believer in Christ these varieties of gifts. That's where they come from. Now, Paul is stating that it is the Holy Spirit who is responsible 
for distributing spiritual gifts to individual believers. And he'll emphasize this when he mentions some of these specific gifts in verses 8 through 11. So let's just jump there now. We're not going to cover all of this now, but I just want you to see what Paul says. For to one, he says, is given the word of wisdom, notice, through the Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge, according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. Notice he is emphasizing it comes, these gifts come from the same Spirit. And to another, he says, the effecting of miracles. And to another, prophecy. To another, the distinguishing of spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. And to another, the interpretation of tongues. But he says in verse 11, but one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as he wills. So it is clear in Scripture that it is God the Spirit who has given you, dear Christian, that unique blend of spiritual gifts. And as Paul continues, he reveals that not only are there a variety of spiritual gifts, but there are a variety of ministries where these gifts are to be used. He says in verse 5, and there are varieties of ministries, but the same Lord Now, what the apostle is saying here is that in addition to the Holy Spirit giving these different gifts to believers, there are also many different ministries where these gifts are to be used. In other words, two people may have the same spiritual gift, but they may use their gift in very different ways as they minister. So, for example, two people may have the spiritual gift of helps. That's one of the gifts that we'll see, helping people working behind the scenes, aiding people, serving them. But two people may have the same spiritual gift of helps, but they may use this gift of helps in very different ways in ministries. One may use their gift of helps to minister to older people. They have a burden for older people. The Lord leads them to minister to older people. And one may use their gift of helps to minister to young children. Same gift, but different ministries. Or two people may have the spiritual gift of teaching, But they may use their gift in very different ministries. One may use the gift to teach, the gift of teaching to teach a Sunday school class of young people, while another may use the gift of teaching Bible college students or seminary students. The truth that Paul is emphasizing is that spiritual gifts are used in a variety of ways and not one way. There are many different ways to use your gift. And just as the same Holy Spirit is the one who gave all spiritual gifts, so now Paul states that it is the same Lord, meaning the Lord Jesus Christ, who assigns people with these gifts their unique places of ministry in the body of Christ in which to use their gifts. Now this is a very significant truth. It's significant because what the apostle is telling us is that spiritual gifts are always to be used to minister to others. They are never for us to keep to ourselves. Spiritual gifts are always used in ministry. That's what he says, a variety of ministries. That's why God has given you these gifts, to serve others. You have been given these gifts so that you use them. And this is why it is so important for you to be actively involved in some ministry in your local church. This is really not an option because to sit on the sidelines and not use your gift is plainly sin. Listen to what Peter writes in 1 Peter 4.10. He said, as each one has received a spiritual gift, employ it 
in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. This is Peter telling you, you've been given a gift, now use it. Peter says that since each of us has received a spiritual gift, he says we're to employ it, which means we're to use it, we're to exercise it in serving others because we have been entrusted with this gift or these unique, this unique combination of gifts to use for God's glory. Now, you don't have an option. You need to be involved in serving somewhere and someone. And so Paul has said that it is the same Holy Spirit who gives us spiritual gifts and it's the same Lord who assigns us a place of ministry for us to use those spiritual gifts. And now in verse 6, Paul speaks of the third person of the Trinity, God the Father, and reveals his role in spiritual gifts, at least the third person in Paul's order. He says in verse 6, there are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things and all persons. Now, the key word in this verse is the word effects. And the thought behind this word is energy or power. And what Paul is telling us is that it is God the Father who works and provides the energizing power to make our spiritual gifts and ministries effective. He's the one who does that. One Bible teacher explained it this way. He said, just as spiritual gifts are given supernaturally, so they are energized supernaturally. Christians, no matter how well-trained and experienced or how unselfishly motivated, cannot exercise their gifts in their own power. We may exercise our talents, skills, intelligence, and other natural abilities in our own power, but only the giver of spiritual gifts can empower them and make them effective. I find this, folks, I find this very encouraging because I know that I'm not on my own when I teach. I know that whenever I exercise my gift of teaching the Bible, I can count on the Father to energize my ministry so that it's effective. This is why I am constantly praying behind the scenes for God to empower me, to anoint me as I teach, because I know that if I rely upon myself or I rely upon my studies or I rely upon my experience, the teaching will be flat and unfruitful. It's only as I come into the pulpit in fellowship with the Lord and in reliance upon him that he'll anoint me to preach his word so that lives will be transformed. In fact, in case you're, you've ever wondered, what is he thinking before he gets up? That's what I'm thinking. That's what I'm praying for the Lord to empower me. And sometimes I've said to him, Lord, I know that Elisha asked for a double portion of the power, the spirit of Elijah. I'd settle for a single portion just a single portion. That's often what I'm praying. And as I come up to the pulpit, I'm often praying what Spurgeon prayed, Lord, I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the ministry of the Holy Spirit. That's on my heart and mind because I know that I need the Spirit of God and the Father specifically to energize my ministry. And what's true of me is also true of you. However God has gifted you, you can count on him to energize the use of your spiritual gifts in your particular ministry. You're not in this alone. He hasn't just gifted you and then left you on your own. He's there. Now, as long as you're walking in fellowship with him, that's the key. You can be certain that he will not bless like he would like to bless a believer doing ministry who's not walking in fellowship with him a Christian who is unrepentant about some sin in their life. 
So, if you aren't seeing much fruitfulness, and I'm not talking about numbers now, but effectiveness, fruitfulness in your ministry, then you would be wise to seek the Lord, asking him to show you if you in any way are the problem, if there's some sin that you need to address, because God the Father energizes our ministries. Now, going back to verse 6, I want you to notice that Paul says there are varieties of effects. And that's an important statement because what the apostle is telling us is that though God the Father is the one who energizes all of our spiritual gifts, there are varying degrees of his energizing power. In other words, God in his sovereignty energizes some ministries more than others. That's just a fact. So that some Christians are more effective, more fruitful in their ministries than others. And that is important, critically important for us to know because this was one of the major problems with the Corinthians. As we'll discover in later studies, the Corinthians were jealous of one another. Jealous because they believed that the more public speaking gifts were the better gifts the showy gifts, because those gifts were more high profile and they drew more attention than other gifts. So it appeared to them that those gifts were more important and those with these speaking gifts were used, they thought, more by God than those who had behind the scene gifts like the gift of helps or the gift of showing mercy to others. But that's not the case at all. The Father is the one who determines the effectiveness of our ministries, regardless of what ministry that might be. It is the Father who chooses to sovereignly bless one individual's ministry more than another's. And it has nothing to do with who has a public ministry and who has a private ministry. You see, the Corinthians, as I said, they were just filled with jealousy. That was one of their major problems because they wanted, they desired, they coveted those speaking gifts that they thought God blessed the most since they tended to get the most attention. But the truth of the matter is that God sovereignly decides how effective someone's ministry will be, how greatly they'll be used, and to what extent he will bless their ministry. I'm reminded of what John the Baptist once said. He said, a man can have nothing, meaning ministry, unless it be given to him from heaven. This was when some of his followers wanted to pit him in a competition against Jesus who had more followers. John the Baptist said, he must increase, I must decrease. A man can have nothing unless it be given to him from heaven. So be content with your ministry. So having stated that there are a variety of gifts and a variety of ministries in which to use our gifts and a variety of effectiveness in the use of those gifts, all in connection with the three persons of the Godhead, Paul now proceeds to make another statement at the beginning of verse 7, a second basic statement about spiritual gifts. That statement is that the source of all spiritual gifts is the Holy Spirit. Now, you know that because we just talked about that, but let's look at this verse again, the beginning of verse 7. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit. Now, in just a few words, Paul states a number of very significant truths about spiritual gifts, truths that if many Christians knew, especially those believers in the charismatic movement, they could avoid a lot of problems, self-induced problems because of their poor theology. First of all, when Paul says, but to each one is given, he is revealing now, note this, that every Christian without exception 
has already been given his spiritual gifts. Therefore, those believers who are seeking, and there are many out there who are seeking some spiritual gift, they're just wrong. They already have their gifts. It was given to them the moment they were saved. That's why, that's why Paul could say, but to each one is given, it's already happened. He's been given, she's been given the manifestation of the Spirit. So don't seek another gift. You already have it. If you're a Christian, realize then you have a spiritual gift. And as I said, probably a unique combination of spiritual gifts. And the way you will determine what your, your gifts are is not by taking some aptitude test, but simply by getting active in some ministry that you're interested in. You see, whatever gifts you have, they come with a desire to use those gifts, not for your glory, but for the Lord's glory. Many years ago, when I was a student in Bible college, I was asked for the first time to do some public teaching. I had never done teaching before. I was asked to teach a Sunday school class of adults, actually fellow Moody students, which was very difficult, at a local church in the Chicago suburbs. Very difficult to speak to your peers, especially when you are a lowly freshman on campus. Now, frankly, after, after teaching, I didn't think that I did a very good job, but others didn't agree with me, and they encouraged me to continue teaching. And that was the very first inkling that I might have the gift of teaching, which was kind of important since I was preparing to be a pastor. But I didn't know that I had the gift of teaching. I just had this desire to be a pastor. So if you're not sure what your spiritual gift is or gifts might be, then just follow your desires and get involved in some ministry and see if the Lord effectively uses you in that ministry. If so, that's probably your spiritual gift. But notice what else Paul says in verse 7. He says, but to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit. Now, what does Paul mean by this? What does he mean by the manifestation of the Spirit? He means that when Christians use their spiritual gifts, they make known or they manifest the Holy Spirit. In other words, when you use your spiritual gifts to serve someone, you are putting the Holy Spirit on display since it is through those gifts that he makes his presence known. That is to say, as you use your spiritual gifts, you are revealing some aspect of the Holy Spirit to those you are serving. Now, so far, Paul has made two basic statements about spiritual gifts. He has taught us that there are a variety of gifts which the triune Godhead are all involved, involved in, and that the third person of the Trinity... The Holy Spirit is the source of all spiritual gifts, and they manifest him. And now, in the remainder of verse 7, we see a third basic statement made by Paul concerning spiritual gifts, and it's this, that the purpose of spiritual gifts is for the good of others in the church. The rest of verse 7 says this, but to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Now notice the last few words of this sentence by Paul, for the common good. He very clearly states that the Holy Spirit's purpose in giving us spiritual gifts is for the common good, meaning the good of others, not us. Spiritual gifts are to be used to help others. 
They are used to help others to grow in Christ. They are used to edify them, to instruct them, to serve them, to encourage them, to help them. And the reason that it's critical to know this is because there are Christians who think only of themselves when it comes to their gifts. I know Christians like this. They know that they have a certain spiritual gift and they are determined to use that gift but not to edify others but rather to stroke their own egos to make themselves look good in the eyes of others. Many years ago, there was a man at Lakeside who wanted to be a teacher in an adult Sunday school class. But it soon became apparent that all he was interested in was promoting himself. He wanted to promote himself as this great teacher. Not because he cared for the people he was teaching, he wanted to promote himself. And this became quite obvious. Everybody saw it because this man would, would spend an excessive amount of time during each class to let everyone know how learned he was, how qualified he was to be a Bible teacher. He was spoken to, he was spoken to, he was spoken to. Eventually, this man became so factious that we had to publicly discipline him and put him out of the church. You wouldn't think that that would happen Usually public discipline is of an immoral issue, but here was a man who refused to repent of being a braggart and being factious, divisive. So we had to very painfully put him out of the church. You see, tragically, this this man missed the whole purpose for the gift of teaching, or any other gift for that matter, and that is to edify others, not to enhance our own egos. It's for the common good of others. So whatever gifts God has given you, Understand that these gifts have been given you by the Holy Spirit for you to use in helping others. It's not for you to feel good about yourself. So tonight, you've learned some important truths about spiritual gifts. You've learned that there are many different spiritual gifts that the Holy Spirit gives to his people. There's not just one. There are many different gifts. And that you already have this unique combination of spiritual gifts so that you aren't to seek more gifts. You already have them. And you've learned that God has given you these gifts to serve others. They're not for you, as I said, to feel good about yourself and what you're able to do. They are supernatural endowments from God to serve his people. And you are to use them to serve others. So the question is, are you using your gifts? You can hear about this, but what are you going to do about this? Are you serving others? If not, it's never too late to get involved in some ministry. Now, some ministries are official ministries. Other ministries are behind the scenes. Whatever it is, whatever your desire is, go do it. Be active in ministry. If not, if you're just sitting on the sidelines being a spectator in the church, then you're sinning against the Lord. He has gifted you to manifest the Holy Spirit as you minister to others. So do it. Let's close with prayer. Father, we thank you for giving us these gifts. Holy Spirit, we're so grateful to you. You are wise in how you have distributed these gifts. You are good to us. And Lord Jesus, we thank you that you guide us into the various ministries to use our gifts. And Father, we're thankful that you empower us to use our gifts. So I pray that the truths that we've heard tonight will 
not only resonate with us, but will be embraced by us, will be received, and will be obeyed. I pray for everyone here who's heard this to be active in ministry. That we, Lord, we want a church of hundreds of people, all of our people, involved in ministering in one way or another and doing it properly for the common good and not for themselves. So we pray, Lord, that we'll be a church of ministers as we use our gifts to your glory. And we pray if anyone here or watching on live stream still does not know Christ, we pray, because that's most important, we pray that you'll draw them to yourself, that they might be saved and they might have the joy of then receiving not only the gift of eternal life, but spiritual gifts to use for your glory. All of this we pray in Jesus' name, amen.